Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is episode one of a new era for Battle Red Radio. I am your host, Colton. I've got my co-host, Corey, with me, producer Nico. He's behind the scenes making sure that we stay on the rails here, and we are bringing you – it's the first edition of us bringing you this podcast, this iteration of the podcast and covering the Houston Texans. Corey, say what's up to the people. How are we doing, everybody? Of course, I am Corey DLG. We are excited to be here and hang out with you guys. This is going to be a fun season, uh, we hope, we think, we believe. Uh, and, uh, of course, little brother. We're going to have fun, regardless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're hoping it's going to be a great season. And, yeah, um, Nico, what do you think? What, do you, what are your initial thoughts? Preseason's over now, so you can say, are you excited for the season? Well, you know, I'm always excited to see where uh, where things go. But, I mean, these past few years have been a little rocky for us. But I think that uh, the only direction we can go is up from here. So That's true. Four wins last year. Four wins. Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of energy, lots of excitement with the preseason. Before we jump into some preseason notes, I know we've all jotted down some things from the first couple of games before the season officially starts. I thought it would be fun. I'm going to launch this at you, Corey and Nico. And I'm going to give you – my thought on this and let you guys think about it, but I thought a good way to introduce ourselves, nobody, nobody needs to know where we went to college right off the bat or why we want to do a podcast. Give me the first football memory you have. That's what I want to know from you guys. The first football memory that you have. For me, it was, I was about seven years old and I remember sitting on a couch. Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, sitting on a couch in Minneapolis, and the first football memory I have was an absolute slobber knocker between the Ravens and the Steelers. That was back right after the Ravens won that Super Bowl with Ray Lewis on that defensive team that was just destroying and chewing up people throughout the year right into the Super Bowl. And that was back when the, Ra- the Steelers were still making their name on defense as well. And so I remember – uh, a game where there was like four injuries. They were taken out. Two guys got left in a stretcher. It was absolutely just one team wanting to pound the other team into the earth and the other team feeling the same way. And ever since then, I've been hooked on football. So that's my first football memory. How about you guys? That's a, that's a good one. I, I, I think I remember – is that the game where the – oh, and I'm blanking on his name now – where the middle linebacker actually had the bruise on his spinal column and, like, he never played again for the Steelers? Uh, it might have been because I think it was a collision with uh, with their tight end, the Ravens' tight end. Yeah. I, I, I distinctly re- – I think I know exactly what game you're talking about. Um, I was obsessed with, like, great defenses, so I, I would watch Ravens-Steelers games anytime. You could catch them on primetime. That was one of those primetime games. 
Um, my very first football memory, uh, the one that sticks in my head, the one I will never forget. My mom was a diehard, is, she's, she's still alive, is a diehard Oilers fan, was at the time Oilers. So we would go to parties, you know, during the playoffs and stuff. I remember being this little kid, we at a neighbor's, uh, like, watch party. The Oilers are playing the Buffalo Bills. It is the dreaded game. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we are up big, and then little by little by little by little. And the, the neighbor, uh, she had a husband who could just be a real jerk sometimes. Oh, no. And the closer the Bills got to tying that game up, um, the more excited he became at my mom's just sheer agony. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're just, I remember watching that game and watching it all happen. Uh, and my mom was so in love with the Oilers, though, that we went to the airport to welcome them back when they came back from, from Buffalo. Oh, wow, that's really cool. I like that. Uh, but, yeah, I remember I, I, I saw that game on TV. And I remember my mom just like, just like, that's it, we're never like – what just happened to us? Like shell shocked. And ever since that horrible PTSD filled moment, you've been hugged. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, listen, nothing is better than just like, there's something about when you're like, Oh, we're, we're always going to win or whatever that feeling. And then like you watch it. And then you're like, these games are so important. Like it almost, because it was such a bad loss, it almost hooks you better than if you had won. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, what about you, Nico? Uh, well, I didn't really grow up watching much football. I did end up playing it, and this is kind of one of my favorite memories just to recall on. Uh, it was my first time I was playing linebacker for defense. I'd, I'd just gotten to the position. I was I was getting ready, and uh, I was like, all right, first real game is a linebacker. Let's go. We line up on the line. I We make our play. I'm exactly where I need to be. And I just see the largest man I've ever seen just completely just walk over me. I've never been more humiliated. And I'm not a small guy. Like, even when I was in high school, I was about 5'10", 5'8"-ish. This guy must have been a good 6'5", 6'7", just just walks directly over me. And I just watch as he carries the ball into the end zone. I'm like, yeah, this is how this is going to (laughs) go. Dico, I remember going to y'all's games. I remember sitting with dad. I'm pretty sure you were there. And and the funnier part to me was just how you guys were the B team. And I don't know if they just didn't leave y'all any good players, but y'all were like offensively and defensively. Y'all were so bad. It was such a rough thing to watch like this eighth grade, seventh grade, whatever it was, B team just get humiliated every week. Like they ran four plays and the defense would know the four plays by, by middle first quarter. And oh, yeah. like, we that were was the skilled, talented individuals. Because, like, the coach wouldn't even, like, he wouldn't even do dummy calls or anything. He's just on the sideline throwing up one of four fingers every time. Such a flex, Nico, to be like, you know, my my first football memory is going to be as a player. Uh, really set the tone for the, the show right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. He's humiliating us. <laughs> my experience is it. hands-on i'll have you know that was the only year i played football some people watch it i play it it's uh it is what it is <laughs> all I right guess if the guy really stands cool. on you though you don't know uh, you don't want to keep playing at that point yeah that's true <laughs> well that's really cool i'm glad i'm glad we started out that way let's uh let's get to some preseason notes fellas shall we i was wondering you know we've had three games now 
Obviously, you take it with a grain of salt because it is preseason football. But what, if anything, were you gleaning or, or, or making note of something that you think can carry in to the, uh, into the regular season? I'm going to go out on a pretty – this is a limb that is pretty, is pretty sturdy. It's pretty, it's pretty thick. It's a very thick limb. I'm, I'm taking nothing but good vibes from the preseason on Damian Pierce. I, I love where we're at with the running backs and having him and Mac kind of, it seems like they're going to go into the regular season uh, as, as a dual backfield. And I got to say, I really love Damian Pierce. I loved him in at, at Florida. I think he's going to be very solid going forward. Uh, yeah. I think Pierce is a, a really great find. What was he? Fourth round. I think that we drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um that that it was he didn't play a lot at Florida, um, but he got some carries. It's interesting, like it's weird how in college sometimes guys can just be buried, or other guys can be studs in college and then come and just be absolute duds in the pros. Um, I do like how he's been running. I don't know that Marlon Mack has really done a, enough to even uh, like co-start with Damian Pierce this preseason. Max Max looked good, which is great because he was hurt last year. Uh, but Damian Pierce has looked head and shoulders like a guy who wants to be our starting running back. Some of the runs this week on uh, Thursday Night Football really kind of reminded me of Arian Foster-esque runs where you, there wasn't anything particularly impressive when you watch it live, but on the replay you realize how he just made the whole defense kind of curve. And you're like, oh, man, like – He's he really he saw something there that nobody else saw, but because he just takes it in in a stride, you don't notice it right away. Like Arian Foster always would have these like big plays, and you're like, was that twelve yards? When did he? How did he? He never even looked like he was moving that fast. Um, and Damian Pierce, just the way, not necessarily like he didn't. He's not as smooth as Arian Foster. I don't think maybe maybe he will be, but he definitely the way the plays developed. I was Arian Foster-esque, which is a good feeling because we haven't had a lot of running backs that make me go, this guy reminds me of our best running back ever. Well, he's he's a, he's one of those running backs that will go north-south, uh, and I like that he gets his head down and goes upfield. I, I, I did want to say I think people will go immediately to his college numbers and say, you know, you guys have pretty high expectations for uh, a guy who who never had a 1,000-yard season in college. It is worth remembering that he crossed his tenure in Florida, largely crossed with Trask's tenure in Florida, their quarterback. And when when Trask was there, they averaged in the vicinity of 40 pass attempts per game, which puts them in the top 12 as far as pass attempts per game in all of college football. So it's not like he had a lot of opportunity while he was at Florida, too. Plus, Florida is just – it's a, it's a it's a it's an athlete toy store if you're a coach like there's just so many guys out there to give the ball to i like i couldn't be a college coach because if every year i'm getting another top 5 running back like how am i supposed to decide who like we're going to run 15 run plays who's going to get the ball 12 times like how do you figure that out and a lot of these running backs need reps to build up that rhythm um that's why yeah, I don't you think about that Florida team had Kyle Pitts, had uh, uh, Tony on it. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of receiving options, too. 
Uh, I was curious. I, I wanted to bounce this off you guys as well. The secondary, uh, obviously, uh, with a lot of draft capital going to the secondary, but uh, just in general, obviously with a bad team, you want to see some progress on defense too, as well as from different offensive pieces. I think there's a lot of emphasis on the secondary this year. What were your guys' thoughts just from some preseason action on that group? They, I really felt like they kind of shored up as the as these three games went on. Um, you know, we they pitched the shutout last night, so that was nice. That was a good look. Um, I definitely looking at the raw. I was looking at the roster because we, you know, we've been texting all week about things we might talk about, and I and I we're really thin in the secondary. I mean, it's kind of obvious when two rookies are starting in secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, we're thin in the secondary. But overall, I think one thing that's going to help is Lovey Smith. Uh, first of all, I want to say this uh, is a is a good coach. He was the he was on the losing side of it, but he is one of the only black coaches to ever coach in a Super Bowl. Um, so I don't want to take away from his resume at all. And the thing mm. he's known for is defenses. Tommy Harris and Michael Robinson, I think was his name. They owe about seventy million dollars combined to Lovey Smith uh, for those second contracts they got playing as just defensive linemen in his front four. So. I do think the front seven for for us is going to get a lot of pressure, get a lot of pressure, move quarterbacks around, make them make bad throws. Corners and safeties aren't going to have to stay in coverage as long. Um, And young guys are faster, so if they do make mistakes, hopefully they have the speed to fix them. Uh, We are thin, though. That's going to be the thing. As the season wears on and people start having hammies and and turf toes and – and, and miss a couple games with, you know, contusions and concussions and whatever else comes up. I do worry about what this secondary is going to look like week 14 or whatever, you know? I think, too, the preseason just kind of emphasized how they're going to need to get lucky. Like, like if a Desmond King, who I'm sure there's a lot of people who are thinking uh, he might be a, a bust if you're going back and looking at drafts. You need him to kind of be like a, a a diamond that you picked off the scrap heap kind of deal uh, as far as plugging in players to not even like be like awesome starters, just like come off the bench and play key roles in, in certain uh, in certain sets and in, in certain quarters and stuff like that. You're going to need to get lucky a little bit with that group, I think, because like you're saying, they are thin. And so some guys are just going to need to have kind of found a double when maybe you, you should, it should have been only a single. Well, that's going to be, that's going to be the story of, of this rebuild, right? Like does this rebuild take four years or does it, does it take two years? And if it takes two years, it's because they hit a lot of doubles in the draft. If it takes four years, it's because, okay, they only hit singles and they needed all of the draft capital that they've built up, you know, over the off season. And, and they needed all the different trades and things that they've done. Like, I was, I was looking at our tight ends. Our tight ends are a mess, you know? Like, um, it's a lot of young guys, but everyone's already banged up, and it's been three weeks, you know? So, mm. you, you just you just get you, – you just know that as exciting as it's going to be, if things go wrong, it'll, it'll compound in a hurry for this team. Is there any mustard that you're putting on the defensive front after – I mean, like – they had like a good showing against the 49ers, for example, 
uh, early on, giving Trey Lance some fits and, and getting uh, into the backfield, but also like the 49ers, the offensive linemen that they played in that game kind of seemed like a little bit of a mess. Like, is there any, is there any point where you thought, oh, you know what, this is kind of nice, or are you just chalking it up to, to preseason? No, I definitely, I definitely have a little bit of faith and hope and confidence in our, in our front four, but also our front seven. You got to think. So Christian Harris, the the linebacker that they have not stopped saying great things about him in practice yet, uh, but he hasn't been healthy enough to play. Um, so you got to think. Okay, if they get this guy back and he is what they say he is then what exactly can this front seven do when these guys are all healthy? Um, we've, we've got the right kind of pieces that a guy like Lovey Smith should be excited. You know, our, we've been in a four, three for a little while. So it wasn't like we were acquiring bodies that just fit his system. Um, you know, and our guys are long and they're, they're, they're not heavy, heavy, heavy guys. You know, we don't have any of the 400 pounders this year. Mm-hmm. You know? So I I think at least in our front four, we're going to be aggravating for teams. Uh, potentially our front seven may be actually good. And I think that's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do until injuries get into this team. Because again, we're not that deep. This is uh, until we say otherwise. Right, being a Minnesota right. boy, this is a Blake Cashman podcast, <laughs> and so, so the linebacker, the linebacker depth is solid. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I definitely like Christian Harris. Not even starting at all, but the the, the linebackers weren't the problem. Watching the games made me feel okay about that. No, yeah, yeah, they and you think you mentioned Lovey Smith as a defensive-minded coach as well. You think too. I we've mentioned several times. There's a few areas where there's not a ton of depth. Uh, at least on the defensive side, some things like uh, defensive line. Maybe he can help out some of that depth, uh, lack of depth there, with maybe finding some gems in the linebacking position, moving some guys around, trying some different things. Uh, getting flexible with that kind of stuff. Yeah, you got to think that that's where that knowledge was going to come in handy. And also, you know, just getting the younger guys to play above their their mental pay grade. You know, like just putting them in the right positions because you know what the other team is going to do, you know, uh, play, play call-wise. Well, and this, this leads nicely into, I think, the, the first – official segment we're going to have uber confidence versus wildly concerned give me a position going after the preseason going into the regular season let's start out with confidence a position group or it could be just a singular player but position group or player that you're uber confident in going into the regular season so i am i i feel really good about this i am uber confident in our defense um i okay i do think I, I think especially coming off of the shutout against San Francisco, but also knowing that we're still supposed to get a couple more guys back. There's two weeks before the season starts. So there's going to be time, you know, Stingley was still kind of banged up. Uh, so by the time the season starts, ideally the, the defense is going to be healthy and everybody's going to be playing in their, in their positions that we think they should be in. 
Uh, and we we're going to have, aside from the secondary, we're going to have one or two guys behind them ready to go. Now, the secondary is obviously a concern, but if the front seven is aggressive and does what it's supposed to do, then the secondary doesn't have to perform at a great, great level to come out of these games in good in good shape. I like it. I like it. I am uber confident in quarterback. And, and here's why. This Ooh, is okay. maybe the, the best case scenario for a young quarterback because they're going to turn the offense. I really think they're going to turn the offense over to him. They're going to try and make him as comfortable as possible because they know that this team – just on the merit of the talent they have, it's probably not going to win a ton of games. So he's not going to be in a weird situation where it's a team that's trying to tank. I think that they're just going to try and figure out what they actually have on this roster. And so as an athlete, I think they're going to turn over and say, you can either earn this job for the next few years or we're going to move on, but we're going to give you a fighting chance. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to actively try and lose these games because we got to figure out what exactly is on this roster that we can take into the next era of football. You have the cloud of Deshaun Watson that was hanging over this team gone. You have a lot of young guys stepping up. You have a lot of question marks, but I, I think that he's going to get a real shot. And there's all sorts of quarterbacks in these weird situations where it's you're moving from one regime, but it's the last regime's quarterback or it's the last coach's quarterback, or we really don't want to really turn over to him because we really want to keep our draft pick. Uh, there's plenty of draft capital for Houston in the next draft. So even if they win like a couple of games, you can still move around in the draft if you really want to. Uh, but the other thing is, I think that there's probably some openness that if he plays really well, just sticking with him for the next few years, as opposed to feeling like, He's got to play well so we can trade him, which I can't imagine is an awesome situation to be in either. So I think that there's a real chance for him to earn this this spot and earn uh, a leadership role on this team for the future. Uh, and, and I don't think they're going to stand in his way necessarily. Now, maybe that means that he's not going to be great anyways and they can move off of him, but then you, you at least know that he's not the guy. And like I said, they have the, the draft capital next draft to try and get a quarterback anyway. So I, that quarterback position in general, I'm very confident in because I, you're either going to find out that you need a guy or find out you have the guy. But they're going to let him play. That you, you, you went in a weird direction with your confidence because you're not saying if you think he's going to win or lose. You're just saying I'm not, like, I'm not confident. you're very confident Mills Davis will be the quarterback. I'm very confident. It, I'm very confident that you know what, we're gonna know exactly where we stand with this quarterback situation, no matter what. So I'm confident in this position. Because guess what? Guess what though? With the, it seems like a weird take, but you weren't in this spot with Deshaun Watson, and so this is an upgrade. Uh, you know, I guess because of everything that happened with with Deshaun, you're right. Like. Coming into last year, there was kind of this conversation of like, what are we going to do at quarterback? Um, I do agree that the leash is long. Uh, I just, I, Davis Mills, I called him Mills Davis a second ago. Like he's like he plays sax in a blues band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that Davis Mills will, he's going to be the starter all season, unless he has a game where he goes out there and throws three picks and a half. Uh, and then you might, then they might trot out whoever they wind up deciding to keep. I guess it's Driscoll uh, behind him. 
I, I could see a Jimmy G signing if San Francisco winds up releasing Jimmy G. If they flat out release, release Jimmy G, I could see the Texans signing him here just on a one-year backup deal. Okay, here's here's eight million, here's seven million. Come back up and show. I feel bad for Jimmy G though, because like the guy, all he did was win, and for some reason that they, they still hate him. I don't. He's I don't got like that. he's got like the saddest career ever because he was like supposed to be like the prodigal son and just never it just never panned out. Nico, wrap your brain around this. The guy has a seventy percent winning percentage and was in the Super Bowl two years ago, and they and they drafted another guy this year, and we're like, nah, we're done with you. Yeah, the overthrow to Emmanuel Sanders in that Chiefs Four Nine Super Bowl is such a sliding doors moment for for Jimmy G's career. It's such a weird. You're right because like that's basically how Forty Nine er fan is going to remember Jimmy G forever. It doesn't matter the seventy percent. It doesn't matter the two NFC Championship games. It doesn't matter the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter any of that. It's going to be not good enough to win. But here's the crazy part. I don't. I mean, is is someone supposed to think that that a rookie has a better chance to win than Jimmy G? Like, I think that's that to me is kind of why I'm. I, I was watching this game, uh, watching the Thursday night game. They were kind of obsessed with what's going to happen to Jimmy Garoppolo, and I get it. It's preseason. It's the third week. There's not a ton going on, uh, especially by the second half. Uh, but I mean, it's it's just remarkably unfair to Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like that. Hey, we know you won a lot for us, and you've taken what they call a really talented roster to the Super Bowl. But uh, we're really mad that you lost to an equally talented Rams team. Like what? <laughs> like that's tough. It's a tough break. It wasn't break. even like a bad loss, too. It wasn't even like they got shut out or something. Like no, it, it was it, a that's good a big, game, like, right? I don't know, man. It's. It's weird how fandom can turn on things and stuff like that. And that's why I think sometimes it's important for a podcast to be, or for anything, to be honest about stuff and be, you know, forthright. I don't think, I don't really think they care what what Mills does this year. I don't think they care if he wins five games or ten games. I think they will make a decision at the end of the season, and it's either going to be cut him or keep him. Uh, and and that's and that's my point is I have confidence in this position because I like Davis Mills and he's going to get a fair shake to show if he's the guy or not. But you have a direction. You have a direction at quarterback where it's like, okay, we're going to really give this guy a shot to see what he is. And if it doesn't work out, there's a lot of quarterbacks coming down the pipe in the next draft. And, and so there's a clear path versus – is this yeah. quarterback going to be suspended for a while? Do we need to get off of him? Is there a chance that he comes back around? Do we even want him on the roster still? That murky water, they're out of that now. Well, they are for this season. Now, here's what here's what's going to really ruin us is if if he gets sacked 55 times, but they win nine games, uh, and the fandom is split yet again. Like the one, I'll tell you what era was the most frustrating era to be a Texans fan aside from this Deshaun Watson moment that we just had, was the Case Keenum uh, flash in the pan. He was brutal to watch in these games, but the fandom in people was so excited that the U of H All-Star was starting in Houston. Um, and, and listen, he has tricked his way into a lot of money now. I think he's made about $50 million uh, between Minnesota and Denver and all these other places. Um, so good for him, but 
he was 0 for 13 for us, and that didn't stop uh, the call-ins on the local sports shows to be like, Case Keenum, uh, you know, if they had any help around him, he'd be MVP when, like, Andre Johnson's standing on the outside of the line, like, on one half of the field going, I'm Andre Johnson. He's got help. Like, nothing, like a- the home, nothing like the hometown hero, man. It's brutal. It's brutal. They, they love they loved him so much, even though he was just the absolute worst. It was him and Brock Osweiler, just like back to back, just the worst quarterbacks in the universe. It, and it was Brock and Osweiler, it, such a funny, funny career. You know what's crazy about him was the reports that were coming out of the the Texans back room. And I used to, I was a freelance writer for Sports Map Houston, so there's some people there who know Texans organizations insiders. So every once in a while we get some cool little tidbits and stuff. Uh, he didn't like that Bill O'Brien was mean to him. <laughs> like, can you it's imagine okay, a Brock. professional quarterback who shows up to work after a bad Sunday and is like, why is Coach hammering me like that? I <laughs> mean, you don't want your feelings hurt. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> when I heard that, I was immediately like, this guy – we are in trouble because it was like three years, two guaranteed or whatever. We had to pay Cleveland a second rounder to take him. I mean, that was a mess. That was a mess. I do think I'm my concern with uh, Davis Mills is the, if I remember right, I'm not, I don't have the stat sheet in front of me. I don't think there was a single game last year where he went over 300 yards. Um, I don't, I don't know. Now, I know amongst rookies, I think that he finished second for touchdowns and completions and a couple other things, and that, and that is great. And I think if he'd have been drafted higher, the national story about him might be different. But I think it's a blessing that he was drafted so low because it means that we're not committed to him spiritually or anything. Like, if, if we had taken him second round or first round and he went out here and had the year he had last year, there would be this conversation like, is he the guy? But this year, while there are some people who do probably feel like he's definitely the guy, we could just have this whole season to see. And I think, unfortunately, his fate is a little tied to the thing, the group that I'm wildly concerned about, the offensive line. Oof. One of they, the worst in football. They allowed 44 sacks last year, which yep. is – Bottom of the barrel of the – I was actually – I looked at this stat. It's shocking how many offensive lines were pretty gross last year. Like, they were – they allowed 44 sacks, and they're not even top five worst as far as sacks allowed uh, last year. But that's still really, really tough. Uh, yeah, if you're getting you sacked – I mean, what is that, three a game, 17 games? Yeah. So, yeah, well, if you sacked – three game and you're probably getting hit another four or five. I mean, that's rough. And if you don't know if he's the guy yet, is there any, is there any motivation from Houston to move pieces to try and improve the offensive line? Or are you just hoping some of these young guys that you have uh, on the line kind of hit and maybe you get lucky there? Uh, So I I, I don't, I don't think you can, I think this is really important. I think this is why, we're in a good spot with with Davis Mills. I don't think you because he because we have so little invested in him. It's okay to not necessarily burn other assets to experiment with him. Like if he was the first rounder, if he was the anointed son, 
then yeah, you would be like, oh, we got to we got to make a trade. We got to keep this guy upright for three years and see what he turns into. But we can develop the offensive line and him at the same time. I think because we're not so invested in him. Like we're he's not making a lot of money. He's not signed to some kind of crazy long term deal. There's there's no kind of push within the organization to be like he's the next Peyton Manning. So like I do feel like we're it's okay to not invest in the other I, because I'm worried I'm worried about the receiving core. I mean that's a that was a close second on for wildly concerned for me at least. I, I will say I did see in parts of NFL Twitter uh, that suggestions that you could move Laramie Tunsil for like capital or for maybe receiving. Like, I don't think you should necessarily burn the offensive line and just throw them to the wolves either. You know, like just cause you're not trading for offensive line talent doesn't mean you should be losing the one, the guys that you have. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't know that. It, I think, I think Laramie Tunsil um, opted in uh, and it might've even signed like a, so you got when he opted in, I think that means he has two years this year and one more year. Um, so to me, I we have so many decisions we have to make. So Kenyon Green, we drafted this year with our other first round pick, he's supposed to be the left guard. Laramie Tunsil and him are supposed to be this left side of a line that, that's going to be dependable. We should be able to run left and and and, and stand pat and, and, and pass the ball. So if that's going to be the case, then those guys have to prove it this year. If at the end of the year it's not working, then we can dump Tunsil with his one year left on his deal. We can move Kenyon Green. Uh, and because at this point we probably can cuss poor, you know, uh, Davis Mills in, into the into bone powder, then we don't have to run the risk of – because, listen, I was here for David Carr, and I was so excited in the beginning. And every year, like, he did everything he could do. Uh he did the mental game where he's like, I'm not going to cut my hair until we win two games in a row. He did the physical stuff where he went into the strength and conditioning coach and it was like, make me a gladiator because I got to survive. Like, he did everything he could do. And every year they would set a new record for sacks and hits on quarterback. And if by, by his fifth year, I mean, you could just see him on TV cursing the offensive line out in the huddle. Um I just don't want to go through that again either. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Hopefully some of these guys that you draft uh, hit, and, and not only some of the guys, like like you mentioned, Green, but if, if you're talking about a couple, they have three offensive linemen that they drafted. So if some of, if a couple of those guys hit, then you're getting some depth as, as well. Corey, who's your, your wildly concerned unit or player going into the regular season? Uh, it, it's, it was, it's just the inverse of you. I, I, my wide receivers are my biggest concern, but O-line was a second. Uh, um, I just, I like Nico Collins. I like that they're using him now in these red zone packages. It was pretty clear the second they saw one-on-one, they were hiking it and throwing it high and letting Nico Collins go get the ball. Uh, I want to see them do that all year. And I want to see what that result looks like at the end of the year. If, if he's got, 10, 11 touchdowns and seven of them are within 10 yards of the end zone like that, like in those red zone packages, then we've got a real, we've got a real possession wide receiver threat. And I think that that's great. If it, if at the end of the year, he's got four touchdowns, then there's not a positive in this wide receiver core. I know Brandon cooks, I know he's going to get a thousand yards. Um, 
but I feel like a little bit of that is cheating because he's just so fast that basically all the all the good Brandon Cook plays are just run downfield and we'll throw it to you once you run past the safety. Um, and and eventually Brandon Cooks won't be able to do that. I think he's had three or four thousand yard seasons now. Um, age. You want to know something concern. crazy? I I would love to hear something crazy. He's in a group, a very select group, where he's had he's had like I think it's five thousand yard seasons in the last six seasons. Like he's just in a very he's in like a weird like stat collecting off in a corner group of receivers. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Where it's like it's like him and Calvin Johnson and like one other. I saw something yeah. like that at the start of the year where like if he gets a thousand yards this year, he's the names the names that he's up there with are like insane. Uh, yeah, part of it's, that is, it's very strange. Part of that is the evolution of, of football, right? Like, we just throw more now. Um, I mean, part yeah. of it, but he's also just, re- like, really fast, <laughs> which also helps. Uh, and he's a good route runner. I got I to gotta be honest. I know talking about football stuff, when somebody has leukemia, seems like we're uh, – obviously we want – Mechie to have to, to get better and to be healthy just because he's a human being and we want people to get better from sickness. But it is you can't emphasize enough how thin the the receiving court gets. Yeah, now that very quickly. Yeah, very quickly. Like when that announcement came, because they were already talking about like, well, who's even our who's our second guy? Who's our third guy? And then they were like, oh, one of the people in the mix is already out. And you're like, oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah, you know, and you're right. Like, uh, everything everything that he said publicly is all very positive. They say it's a very treatable form of leukemia. It does mean we, he loses the year, and it means that we're without him for this year. Um, hopefully it gets to be one of those, you know, feel-good stories next year. Uh, was it Was it the safety flowers for the Chiefs who, did, who had, had cancer? Yeah, there it goes, Eric Berry, who who came back and just laid out a great career for himself. Um, so you hope for stuff like that. Uh, but for that to happen, he also has to come back and, and turn into a true number one or number two, which we just – right now I feel like – remember when the Cowboys were supposed to be good and everyone was like, they've got four number two receivers? And they were like, who's their number one? I feel like that's the Texans' problem this year, is they've got, like, four yeah. number two receivers. Yeah. Well, that's – yeah. We're, we're on the same page with, uh, with these groups. But you know what? At the end of the day, football's right around the corner, and that's the best position we can be in. It's the best spot I, we can be in. I have literally every, like, every time I've gotten frustrated about something for the last week, I've been like, ooh, but football's coming on. Football's around the corner, week zero this weekend. Uh, final thoughts. Anything you want to end on, Corey? Nico? Uh, I, I do want to say that I am I am glad that we are done with the Deshaun Watson mess. Uh, I know I know when, it, when he comes back, it'll be the Cleveland Texans game here in Houston. So I know, of course, we'll talk about it then. Um, I'm glad that cloud is lifted. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad we are in this position where we are only talking about him because we're moving on from him. I think that's great. I think that was a thing that just made last year such a uncontrollable mess was there was, you know, I never believed in off field uh, distractions, but there was no way that wasn't an issue for the team last year when their best 
player wasn't wasn't like was getting paid to not show up. Yeah, yeah, that cloud that cloud is off this Texans team, and like like I mentioned earlier, now it's just about like finding out what kind of young talent you have on it, and that's there's an excitement to that. Uh, also, one note before we head out, we are going to be uh, bringing you podcasts. Uh, we're going to try our best to get you podcasts every single day of the week. And so get ready for a lot of content coming at you. Uh, we're really excited to be in this position and hosting this show and, and bringing you uh, Texans content every single day throughout the week. And so we're going to have stuff, be checking wherever you get your podcasts, be checking that daily because we're going to be bringing you shows throughout the That's week. That's right. Go to the Battle Red blog, check it out. Uh, also, if you're in the Reddit group, I may, I did make a post. Feel free to post any questions there. I just wanted to say hi to everybody. Anybody who listens to this, if you got any questions, things you want to ask us, we'll try and respond in podcast uh, to those things, get some interaction going. Uh, but we want to reach out to people. We want this to be the Texans podcast. That's why we signed up to do this. We want to make this as much y'all's podcast as it is ours. Uh, so thanks for listening, we'll, get, guys. we'll get an email set up too so you can reach us there as well and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll get good back and forth going I don't want them to be able to reach me at my home that feels creepy, I don't like it I don't like it they'll, they'll be able to reach me, we don't care about that <laughs> we don't care about me, they'll be fine we gotta protect Corey and Nico at all costs me, not so much I'm too sensitive No, <laughs> nobody hurt Corey's feelings uh, alright, you guys have a good one uh, obviously we're, we're now just playing around too much all right you guys have a great great weekend uh let's all pay attention to the roster cuts and then we'll know i don't think they announced the final 53 though for another week is that correct or do they wait i believe you are correct because the first week is now september 11th yep so yeah they have to do it that next week okay all right so we'll have a week to kind of talk about different things coming into the season and then they'll make those final roster cuts and then we'll know who's uh who's riding with us this year Corey, Nico, I'm, I'm excited for this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. And all of you listeners, see you guys Monday. Yeah. Stay tuned, guys.